Hello and welcome back to the Villa Villa podcast. I'm here as always with my good friend Dan Wiseman. Dan, how are you doing, mate? It's good, mate. Good to see you again. First time, you know, in, in a couple of days. The last podcast went down really well. So thanks to everyone that tuned into our Arsenal review. Something a little bit different today. I mean, obviously, still Villa related. It is the Villa Villa podcast after all. But uh, yes, we don't often touch on the international break, mate. But um, I always look forward to them. And so, and we've got a lot of Villa players being represented out there. We have, and it's been kind of difficult to kind of track and see who is because there's been certain nations that haven't like unveiled their squads almost. So it's a bit difficult. So we'll get into that a bit later on. But as you can see, Don in the England shirt, we've got to start with England first. And obviously, Jack Grealish, Tyrone Mings. Is it, do you know what? Right. Little backstory. We like to, we like to digress on this podcast, but it was obviously this is the training top from the 2018 World Cup. And it's based on, I want to say, the 78 shirt. Yeah, you guys can yeah, correct nice. me on that yeah. in, in, in the comments below if I'm wrong. I think, it might be. Uh, I think this, this should have ultimately been the kit for that tournament. It, it, it's beautiful. And I was going to get it and it sold out everywhere. And I was like, brilliant. And while the World Cup was on, I was in Orlando on holiday. And I've always been one of them people. And it's only in recent years my opinions changed on this is... I, I never used to be able. I, I used to think people who'd walk around on holiday in their football, in their team shirt. I just, I just thought it looked stupid. I was never, I was never that guy. But walking around the parks, I was seeing, you know, people wearing Brazil shirts, uh, Argentina, Germany, everything like that. And everyone was just like speaking to each other. Like it was like it was it was as if we were actually in Russia and you know experiencing it with the fans. And it was kind of mad. And people would hear that we're English and be like, oh, you know, like, why are you in the queue for rides? And be like, oh my God, like Harry Kane's amazing. Why is Jack Grealish not in the squad? They didn't say that, but they were thinking <laughs> it. Um, and I actually, it, it was it was then I decided, you know what, I'm going to cop this. Uh, so I don't know, I, I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but in, in uh, Disney's Epcot, they have an, a little like United Kingdom place and they have like a football shop where they sell like football shirts. So I managed to get this in America. So, nice. Uh, the only thing is oh, on the nice. bottom, it has like the authentic tag, but because I got it in America, it says soccer on it. So a load of my mates are like, oh, like you've just bought a fake shirt. I'm like, mate, I don't think Disney would sell a fake shirt. Like, come, come off it. It's just because it was it was bought in America. But no, that, that no, I think that's nice. That real nice kind stuff. of feeling and, and sense of community, like just walking around, seeing uh, people go crazy when Brazil scored and people are checking for updates and stuff. It was mad. And that, I think that's what is brilliant about the international break that often, unless you go to a sure. tournament or you're in an, in, in an area which is as richly uh, diverse in cultures, then you don't really get that. So that kind of thing gets me excited for international football. Hopefully with the Euros coming up, Dan, we can get that feeling back again because... For international sure. football it's kind of it's, it's, it's difficult to watch isn't it, it, it at times it's, England more so than anything Gareth Southgate makes it very difficult for all of us so we'll start with England Dan obviously we've got some very big games and before we come into it actually uh just thought we'd mention it at the top of the pod Jude Bellingham's been included in the squad uh, mm-hmm. obviously of former Birmingham City fame uh I guess we could say uh interesting inclusion Ross Barkley not in the squad um I think I've said on the podcast before, whenever Russ Barkley was in the squad, I never really understood it. But now I'm actually watching him play week in, week out. Like, I'm 100% on it. We're, obviously, we're on the Russ Barkley hype train. Um, but no, Dan, England have got some big games coming up. Also, I, I believe it's a friendly against uh, Wales first. Am I right? Yeah, as well, we've got Ireland. I, that's is, the is, is, Wales, the friendly, Wales was the friendly last time, which was obviously where Grealish was man of the match. 
Um, we got then got that 2-1 win against Belgium before a 1-0 loss to Denmark, 10 men. Uh, this time out, it's again a similar setup. Quite why we've got a friendly, I don't know, you know, in, in the current climate. The players are playing too many matches as it is, but that's a completely different conversation for a completely different podcast. Ireland is, is the friendly this time. Uh, we've got them at home at Wembley, um, which is, is going to be an exciting game. Two, a few Villa boys facing off in that one. Um, and we'll come on to Connor in it and his Republic of Ireland Warriors a little bit later on before we go away to Belgium. And then we welcome Iceland, which again, Chad to back it. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> Thor is back in action at Wembley. So that's going to be nice. Um, so, yeah, England, real mixed bag, wasn't it, last time? Uh, we had the sort of had the joys of the Welsh game from a Villa perspective, watching Jack get out there and he was balling and he was getting man the match. It was great. And then the, the Belgian game was a little bit iffy and then the Denmark game, nice little mug. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Got to rep Villa somehow. Sort <laughs> yeah, of the office out still. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Belgian game is, is going to be really interesting, mate. So we're, we're currently third in our Nations League group. Uh, on goal difference, both us and Denmark have got seven points. Belgium are top with nine. Um, Belgium, we go to them away and they're out for revenge. So I don't think it was said enough when we played them, but they were on a 12-match winning streak yeah. under Roberto Martinez when, when we played them. They were top of FIFA's world rankings, making them officially the best side in the world before they lost to England. Um, and it's two managers that are under a little bit of pressure, really, in Roberto Martinez and Gareth Southgate. Roberto Martinez sort of having completely different problems to Southgate, whereby he's not handing enough chances to youth prospects. Yeah. So obviously Belgium had this golden generation and not that they're on their way out like that, that's harsh, but they're starting to come into their thirties. You know, you know, you think of like the old Vero of the Tongan, Azar, you know, they, they sort of past their primes now, I would say. Um, there's only five players in Belgium squad that are aged 21 or, or younger. So it's two managers with, with and that will be that will make a, for a really interesting game. I'm sure it's those two managers with, with different problems go head to head. But no, as always, Tyrone is is in there, and a big congrats to him. But obviously, the focus is on is on Jack and how much game time he is or isn't going to get. But you'd think with the performances he's been putting in recently, who scored second highest rated player in the Premier League, you'd think. If there was ever an international break that was going to be Jack Grealish's mate, it might just be this one. You'd hope so. And obviously what's quite notable about that last game against Belgium, Dan, is, is Mason Mount scored the winner. And, you know, we're, it's, we're at that time again, we're always forced into this narrative of Grealish versus someone. It has to be who, who is better than Grealish. The, the media, other fans have to constantly try and pit Jack against everyone. It's been James Madison. It's been Mason Mount. It's well, been I think if you if you Lionel Messi, champion, <laughs> you know? if you take it back to the championship, it was him and Hernandez, wasn't it? At, yeah. at Leeds, and and so if even if you go back as far as then, and and even uh, there was another one. I, it's escaped my mind from now, but you know, there's always there's been so many. Yeah, people have always felt the need to try and put Villa down, and I think if anything, obviously, as I kind of touched on earlier, the fact that Bellingham's been called up into this squad. And James Madison still can't get in either. I mean, it, it, it shows the levels we're talking about here in, in regards to Grealish. Uh, hopefully he can get the game time. See, I think the, the friendlies against the home nations, they make sense if you want to play international football in the world's current climate with uh, coronavirus. That, that makes sense to me. Uh, it's the, the fact that, I, uh, I don't know if, if you mentioned it just there, Dan, I don't think you did, the fact that 
there's the potential that England may have to forfeit their game against Denmark um, if they don't play in either Albania or Germany, which is very interesting. I'm sure the FA will bend over backwards to make sure that game can get played. But um, there's been uh, there's been an outbreak of COVID in the minks mm. in Denmark, and it's it's mutating, which isn't very good. Um, that's a whole other other subject. But there's been a lot of Danish players who haven't been able to travel to meet up with their side. There's, I believe, about seven players, including the likes of Kasper Schmeichel, uh, Pierre Obik Hoiberg from from Tottenham, players like that who are playing in the Premier League who haven't been able to travel as part of their squad. So, you, ideally, you don't want to have to forfeit that because they are significantly weakened. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can get over that. And obviously. Republic of Ireland, Dan Conor Horahan uh, is, it's interesting. Uh, what a free kick he scored, by the way, in that, uh, that little training video that, that, that we saw from, from the Republic of Ireland as well. Horahan is, uh, you know, a, a very dis, uh, divisive player when it comes to Aston Villa fans. And you guys, you know, long-time listeners of the podcast will know uh, Dan and I don't always share the same feelings when it does come towards Conor Horahan. One thing that you can't deny is that he's probably Ireland's best midfielder option um so for him he's going to be possibly quite frustrated that he hasn't had the chance to to play a bit more regularly for Villa and prove himself because ultimately that uh, you know it comes at a price if, if you look at the Egypt squad which we'll touch on later uh Elmo isn't in the squad and he he's been their captain for for a long period of time so you know that just goes to show what how much regular football uh does and should influence on uh playing for your national team yeah, definitely. And and, and Connor um, does feature often for Ireland. His last international break was a pretty miserable one, not just for Connor, but for the whole squad as a whole. Um, you know, they, they went out of that Euro qualifier playoff to Slovakia. Connor bagged his pen. He was at first, but it was Matt Doherty who slammed his penalty into the bar and Ireland went out. Um, they then drew 0-0 against Wales. Uh, 10 men, James McLean got sent off. Um, that was a pretty snooze fest to be honest with you but I think it's very hard like the the fixtures seem the wrong way around like surely you'd have the Nations League game first and then the playoff because if once you go out of that playoff your motivation to then go and play in the Nations League a few days later is all time like that you just want to get back to your club team and and go again in a few months time so that to drag yourself back into another game and motivate yourself for a completely different competition when you know you're out of the Euros is tough so we don't really hold that against them but know that they come to um, they come to face England at Wembley before they have Nations League games against Wales um, which is, you know, that, that's an interesting situation with the whole Ryan Giggs, Rob Page situation yeah. um, as he's in charge there. And then they've got Bulgaria after that. So Ireland, their focus is now on the Nations League. They sit third in their group. Um, and again, it's a sad state of affairs. So they've got a, Euro, a Nations League group of Wales, Finland and Bulgaria. And they're winless, two points from four games in that group. Uh, Stephen Kenny's in charge. Uh, he's only ever managed domestically in Ireland in, in their own league. I think it's the Airtricity League. Um, he's under pressure big time to, to get some results in, in this international break. But what frustrates me with this with this Republic of Ireland team, Dan, and, and this is where I'll throw it back to you, is, and it's the same with Scotland, who, to be fair, have a huge game, probably the biggest game that any Villa player will be involved in is, is what Scotland have got coming up with John McGinn. Um, but, you know, John Egan, Ender Stevens, Connor himself, Jeff Hendrick, Robbie Brady, Matt Doherty, Callum Robinson. There's a really, I mean, not world beaters, no, but when you can, like, who are Finland putting out? Who are Bulgaria getting out? And it's it's frustrating that these home nation sides 
do struggle when they do have a, a decent talent pool to pick from. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I've got a massive soft spot for Ireland because I've got Irish family. So, you know, whenever they're doing well, that's always, you know, it's always a bonus for me. Um, but they do have some very good players, as you've touched on there, Dan. Even someone like Michael Oberfenby uh, obviously doesn't play regularly enough for Southampton, which is probably why he's not in the squad. But uh, a, a, an attacking outlet that is as fast as him is always going to help you create more chances. It's uh, I, I think Ireland struggle because of... Uh, one, the size of the nation, and two, if you look at how academy trends uh, and, and player developments have, have changed in England, you're seeing a, a lot more foreign imports come in, uh, you know, from the likes of Spain, Belgium, France, players like that. They're getting in the academies at 15, 16, 17, ages like that. And it, that, that isn't really the case for the Irish lads. Uh, a lot of them, you know, there's, there's a big history of Irish players at Villa. Obviously, you don't have to look too far back. Paul McGrath. Uh, Andy Townsend, you know, players like that were part of a, a very good Republic of Ireland squad that had, that had uh, uh, you know, relative success for the nation. Um, but then you've just got to look at other clubs where they kind of have come through. You know, there's there's always been a big sort of Irish heritage with the likes of Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, your, your Northwestern clubs. Uh, but even then, you know, you, you're still seeing so many foreign talents being developed in their academies. And, uh, you know, the talent pool in Ireland is, is often overlooked. And I think as well, you know, there's, there's a good there's a good amount of Irish players that are, uh, you know, littered all around the championship. So, you know, that goes to show you that the, the quality of footballers that they can produce aren't that bad because the championship is a very difficult league to play in. Uh, you know, so personally, uh, I'd like for Ireland to be to be doing a bit better and hopefully they can get a few wins under their belt. Uh, it's, it's always good to see for me. But yeah, Dan, as you alluded to, big games for Scotland and John McGinn. Mm. And he is a man who is on three man of the matches in a row, I believe, for Scotland. Very impressive form for his nation. Yeah, mate, this is this is the big one. And, and you know, all eyes are on. This is a must-watch game. Uh, this is on Thursday and it's a very tough one for Scotland. Um, Scotland are one game away from major competition. The first time since 2007 wow. that that's happened. They got their playoff final against Serbia away in Belgrade. Um, you know, they, they, they had a tough qualifying group, to be fair. They, they had Belgium and Russia. They finished nine points behind Russia, but I don't think that can be held against them. Those are obviously the, the two superior teams in, in that little qualifying group. Uh, and if, if you wind it way back, do you remember that f- their first game of the qualifiers? They lost 3 0 to Kazakhstan. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, they sacked Alex McLeish shortly after that. Steve Clark took over. Former Villa first fan. Game. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, won his first game against Cyprus, uh, then lost his next four, but those were against Belgium, Wales, sorry, Belgium, Russia, Russia, Belgium. So again, um, and they then come back. They- Won their playoff semi-final against Israel. McGinn just scored his penalty in that game. It was a nil-nil draw at Hamden. They scraped through on pens. Um, McGinn has seven goals in Euro, qualif- uh, Euro qualifiers. It, unbelievable, isn't it? What a return that is. Um, you know, he's really been their go-to guy. He captained them in their last game. Andy Robertson is usually the captain for that side, understandably. But in his absence, McGinn stepped up, took the armband, uh, did well in, in that game. Um, Serbia, however, that's a tough opponent, mate. They, they finished some good players. third. Very good players. Very good players. Um, they finished third in their group uh, behind Ukraine, who were unbeaten in, in qualifiers, who finished above Portugal. So watch out for Ukraine at the Euros. They've, they've qualified like a steam train coming out of that group. But what's surprising, mate, is 
you know, I'm just going to list off some of the players. Luka Jovic, Dusan Tadic, Nemanja Matic, Mitrovic, Milinkovic, Savic, Maksimovic, Kostic, Jajic, Kolarov. Unbelievable side. But Serbia haven't been to a Euro since 2000. I find that quite um, hard to believe. Wow. Exactly, mate. And so big game at Elway, single leg in Belgrade, Scotland or without Ryan Fraser. So that, that's a bit of a loss. But, you know, how amazing would it be if McGinn could drag that side to victory? What it would mean to Scotland would be immense. It would. And obviously, you know, I think sometimes uh, you do have to kind of take the, the rivalry out of it. And it's it's been a while since we've had Villa so well represented across all the nations, which is just great to see, obviously, that we're heading in the right direction. John McGinn has been doing bits for Scotland. And I think something that's quite important to note is that how he essentially plays as a number 10 uh, and at part in games as a false number nine. John McGinn, he's so far up the pitch. He's, he's vital to linking that play between the midfield and the attack for Scotland. And that's just shown in, in, in the returning goals, Dan. As you said, seven goals for John McGinn in the qualifiers. That's phenomenal. And that's a side of John McGinn's game we probably haven't seen since the championship days. Obviously, a tweak in the system, but it's great to see that Steve Clark is able to get the best out of John McGinn. And to be honest, Steve Clark has done quite well for himself, considering he was at Kilmarnock before this. Uh, with he, he took Aaron Tishbola with him, obviously, who he had at Reading as well before he came to Villa with Di Matteo. Uh, so listen, for Steve Clark to get that job, that's massive. And he's if he qualifies... Totally deserving of the job, uh, Scotland. You know, it'd be a, it'd be a real shame for a lot of these Scottish players. You know, if you've got your Andy Robertsons, Kieran Tierney's, John McGinn's, to miss out on uh, even Ryan Fraser to miss out on on a major tournament, it really would be a shame um, for them. So yeah, you know, they'll be looking forward to that, Dan. And obviously, now we've got uh, more of a, a global representation for Villa players, Dan. As I touched on, it's so exciting to see. I think the one we should start with first is is Emmy the Don Martinez because it seems unlikely that he'll actually play, which is a shame, but it's good that he's in the squad for Argentina. Uh, they actually sit in the same group as Brazil for their World Cup qualifiers, which are the games that are being played right now. Uh, and Argentina a second, Brazil a top. Douglas Luiz has played more regularly, but we'll get on to him a bit later, Dan. And uh, listen, it's a shame that Emmy isn't playing because his competition is uh, Franco Armani, who is uh, playing for River Plate, and he's only played two games this season. Uh, I'm not quite sure how uh, how or when the league had started in Argentina, but two games he's played, uh, and he's conceded three goals. So an average of one and a half goals per 90 minutes he's conceded domestically. If we compare that to Emmy, though, seven games for Villa, nine conceded, an average of 1.28 goals per 90. Statistically, Emmy should be in goal, but I think... Uh, you know, there's there's clearly some politics to it. I think it's kind of difficult because uh, I think there are a lot of Argentinian players that are littered across the continent, but there's always seems to be a very strong representation of players who played domestically in Argentina, Dan, doesn't there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, look, with, with Emi, you know, he, he's represented Argentina at under-17 and under-20 level, but he's only ever had senior call-ups twice for Argentina. One was way back in 2011, where he was uh, called up for a game against Nigeria. Um, he didn't play in that game. And his second call-up was um, last October. Uh, you know, he was called up for games against Germany and Ecuador. He is still sort of a relatively unknown 
talent, I, I suppose, in Argentina, just because of the nature of how he's sort of exploded onto the scene recently in the last few months. And, and Franco Armani, he's 33. He's a bit more established domestically. So I think that's probably why he's in the frame a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, as any matures, I, I'm sure we'll get to see him in the fold and um, just be beautiful to see him take to the pitch with uh, Lionel Messi, wouldn't it? It really would, mate. And listen, Argentina have only conceded one goal in their previous two games. Obviously, they beat Ecuador 1-0 and they uh, managed to come back against Bolivia. Uh, they were 1-0 down. They managed to win that 2-1, which uh, can't be understated uh, purely because of the altitude that's played. I think a lot of people look at this thing. Bolivia is a very tough place to go and get results. Now, listen, uh, Brazil steamroll Bolivia 5-0, but this Brazil side is a bit of a joke. And Argentina... Uh, have probably consistently underperformed for the past 12 years, considering they've had Lionel Messi as a part of their side. It's it's difficult when you're trying to uh, essentially play like an upside down pyramid formation just to get all of your best attackers into the side like Argentina do, because they are, of course, littered with uh, amazing talent. You just got to look as far as Latoro Martinez, uh, even a few years ago, the likes of Gonzalo Higuain, uh, Paulo Dybala, players like that, you know, it's, it's going to be a shame for some of the players to miss out, obviously. Um, but, you know, they've got some they've got some big games coming up. Uh, Argentina are, in fact, unbeaten in their previous nine matches. So, you know, that probably does lend itself to Armani staying in between the sticks, as we said, the more uh, seasoned of the two. Wouldn't, wouldn't hurt to give Emi uh, a bit of a go. But, you know, their next matches, uh, they've got Paraguay first. Um, which is being played in Buenos Aires. And then they have Peru away in Peru. Uh, two very big games when it comes to World Cup qualifying. And given Argentina's inconsistencies, uh, you know, they'll be hoping to try and uh, to, to try and, and scrape past here and, and hopefully pit Brazil to, to that top spot in, in the group. That's, that's ultimately the goal for them. Uh, and going on to Brazil, Dan, obviously our man Dougie Luiz has played the, the full 90 in his past two games. He... Uh, against Bolivia and Peru, he's featured. Uh, they, they conceded two goals over them two games and scored nine, which is incredible. He's played alongside the likes of Casemiro, who's an absolute baller, and Felipe Coutinho in the midfield. Again, you know, I think people sleep on Coutinho, uh, you know, since mm-hmm. his transfer. He's uh, he's a very talented player, and to see him line up against Dougie's amazing, mate. And uh, uh, the Bolivia match was definitely the best performance uh, for Douglas. He had an 8.1 match rating against Bolivia, which, you know, when you consider the kind of players who he's in and around, and I believe... Brazil had about 67% possession in that game, uh, which is very much a game that lends itself to having someone like Douglas Luiz on to control the ball in a bit more of a, an advanced position, obviously kind of behind where Coutinho would play, but still ahead of Casemiro, who's generally the sweeper in that sixth position in the midfield. Really good to see Dougie be uh, represented, man. And it's, it's just a matter of time before we get our man Wesley, Wesley Filler podcast uh, <laughs> playing back for Brazil because... Uh, you know, again, I think we, we touched on this probably in a podcast around this time last year, Dan, when, when Wes was called up, there's this kind of, there was an outrage really from the Brazilians, wasn't there? Because, uh, you know, similar to Argentina, they, they like their players to, to have played domestically. And obviously Wes's big break came, you know, in Europe. So there was, uh, understandably some outrage from the Brazilians, but, uh, listen, you know, Wes Douglas, these guys representing Villa, you know, in World Cup qualifying matches, Dan, it's, it's just amazing, man, because we've not really had that uh, too much in our lifetime supporting Villa. No, absolutely not. And, and you know, Douglas doesn't have that problem, obviously, with, with his youth career starting in Vasco da Gama. Um, 
And yeah, those two games, mate, he was immaculate. I don't know if any Villa fans uh, watched any of those uh, those full 90s that Douglas put out, but the one thing that stood out to me is he didn't look out of place at all. No. He, he really, you know, he was playing alongside the likes of Casemiro, Neymar, like all the, all the, I don't need to list off the stars Brazil have. And he looked right at home, which is which is really testament to how much he's come on, that he can step into a side like that and, and look so comfortable, put into really good performances. Um, Brazil are undergoing a bit of a change at the moment. Obviously, they've had some real disappointments starting in 2014 um, in, in major tournaments. Um, so there's pressure on Brazil and Tite for, for this upcoming World Cup, the one they're currently qualifying for to, to really make a stand. And there's a bit of a changing of the guard, which is why perhaps you're seeing players like Douglas Louise come into the fold because you've got the likes of Gabriel Menino, who's 20, plays for Palmeiras, Atletico's Renan Lodi, uh, Leon Spuno Guimares, Mateus Cunha of Hertha Berlin and formerly of Leipzig, Rodrigo of, of Real Madrid and Vinicius, who are starting to come into the fold. You know, Lodi's taken over from Marcelo and, and those are the kind of changes that we're starting to see as Brazil make that transition from the old and into the new. Um, and Douglas is going to be a very much part of that team, it, it seems. Um, beautiful new kit as well, isn't it? I don't know if you saw it, mate. Gorgeous. Stunning, stunning. I'd urge everyone to, to go out and have a look at that and buy it with Douglas Louise on the back. And that's a direct instruction from the Villa Villa podcast. Always so it's going to be. A, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Can't forget that. Um but look, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting, this current Brazil team, is you've sort of got this really nice blend where you've got the old heads like um, Thiago Silva and, and still knocking about, but then you've got this new influx of exciting talent, which we haven't really seen on the international stage. Um, and they've got Venezuela, who you expect to be a bit of a formality, and then Uruguay. Yeah. So that's a, a big game to, to keep your eyes on. Uruguay probably aren't, aren't quite the side that they were a few years ago as, as those players sort of drift out the likes of Suarez and Cavani aren't going to get any younger um, but still uh, still again to keep your eyes on so yeah I think that's going to be an early morning start um, if any 1 of you Villa fans are, yeah. yeah well if any of you Villa fans have got a struggling with a lockdown sleeping pattern perhaps that's one for you but everyone else definitely catch the highlights because hopefully we see Dougie in action Absolutely. And uh, moving away onto a totally different continent now, uh, obviously we have some players representing an AFCON and AFCON's a tournament where when it's on, there's this like, I don't know about you, Dan, but I, I get so much hype. It's interesting. It's in January. It's just, it's almost a spanner in the works of domestic football. And it's, you know, it's an absolute nightmare if, you, if you've got a lot of African players in your side, but to watch it, there's, there's just this massive buzz, there's this carnival. It's, it's something that I think, uh, you know, the, the continent of Africa takes a lot of pride in. And obviously we've got, we've got only two representatives, which may come as a surprise, as we said earlier at the top of the podcast, no Elmo for Egypt. Uh, uh, Trezeguet is, however, starting, and it's really important for a nation like Egypt, where I think you know all the hopes were kind of pinned on Mo Salah. Obviously, you know, rightly so. In, in his own right, he's a very good player. Um, does bits for Liverpool, but to have another uh, such influential attacking outlet in Trez, who's always going to be there on the back post, as we've as we've kind of touched on, it's massive, and they. Uh, they currently sit third in their qualifiers in Group G for AFCON. Uh, they drew their last two games against Kenya and uh, Karom- uh, Karomasos. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, and they actually, the way the way that the, the fixtures have panned out, they've now got a double header against Togo, who are bottom of their group. So for them, you know, uh, it'll be it'll be quite interesting to see how they take that because with two games against the same opposition within four days, 
you know, in the second game, you know, maybe if Egypt get the, the upper hand in the first game, it will allow Togo to make a few tactical changes. So that's going to be a really interesting battle for me. Hopefully Trez is uh, in and on the score sheet. It's a shame that there's no Elmo there, but as we kind of touched on earlier, it's not too much of a surprise given his, his you know, serious lack of game time but you know it's a shame because I think especially given his age and as we'd seen him play for Villa Dan he'd moved into this centre-half position Elmo Beckenbauer it'd be great to see him occupy that kind of position alongside uh, you know what is a very vintage old-fashioned centre-half in Hagazi. Yeah absolutely mate and look there, there really isn't a bad Egypt side out there there's, there's a lot of players that have come out of that nation in, in recent years obviously Mo Salah is, is their biggest export but you touched on Hagazi Mohamed Elneny has stepped up recently for Arsenal yeah. um, you know I'm gonna, not so much in, the, in their last game obviously but um, <laughs> MIA you know, if I take, yeah <laughs> if I take it back to that Man United game Partey took all the poor edits, but the work rate and the amount of ground that Mohamed Elneny covered in that was was really something. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's only qualification at the moment for the AFCON. I've got no problems that Egypt will get through that. Yeah, it's a shame, as you were saying, that we've only got the two representatives uh, this time uh, going away for international duty in Africa. Shame that Bertrand Traore isn't able to link up with the Burkina Faso squad because we're of doing quite well, and- actually. Mm, Top yeah, of their group uh, for AFCON, I believe, or the African Nations, one of one of the two. There's there's two tournaments that are running, uh, qualify yeah. qualify simultaneously. I know that uh, Burkina Faso are top of one of them groups, which is great. You know. They've got a team of Traoris. Yeah. They've got seven Traoris in the side. <laughs> it's it's great, isn't it? Um, they've got the Lucina Traore who um, who plays for Ajax. I think it might be Bertie. I think there's some family link there. Come back to me on that one. So they, they both came through Alex, um, Alain Traore. And, there's a, and yeah, decent type, decent side of Burkina Faso. So it's a shame that Bertie's not out there. But um, as always, the pride of Zimbabwe, he's out there doing the most as per. Where can we see Marvin action, mate? Well, do you know what, Dan? <laughs> this is this is quite surprising because the, uh, the Zimbabwean uh, Football Association Twitter account uh, made a tweet saying that there would be uh, here is their 23-man squad announcement, and uh, they didn't announce their 23-man squad. So <laughs> as of as of now, as we're recording this, I'm not sure if if Marv will be out with Zimbabwe linking up with them. They only mentioned uh, the the two or three players that were coming in uh, as as new faces, and, and they mentioned an outgoing uh, with an injury, which I can't remember off the top of my head, if I'm being totally honest. But there was no mention of Marv. Um, which is a shame. I'd imagine he's there. I believe he's his captain of Zimbabwe, which is massive. Obviously, representing uh, Zimbabwe in in the Premier League, he he's doing he's doing bits for you know for his his nation, which is absolutely amazing. And uh, they actually they have two big games Dan coming up. They face Algeria. You know they've got a very good side players like Atal Mares. Uh, you know they've got a very good attacking outlet. Um, Algeria do so they have them. Uh, in the uh, uh, African Nations, uh, Cup of Nations, sorry. And then they face Cameroon after in in their other uh, tournament, which is, again, going to be a very tough game. Obviously, uh, you know, the likes of Samuel Eto'o, obviously previously playing for Cameroon. I always used to have a soft spot, man. I love their two. Uh, I love Cameroon. I love what they're about. Always used to play with them on pairs. I think as well, the African Nations, it must be said, have phenomenal kits uh whoever whoever designs these man they give them so much creative freedom and there's so much heritage that can be drawn upon these kits you know mm. you get giant lions on the shirt and it, it's amazing i absolutely love it so uh hopefully we see marvs in the squad as of recording this 
the admin of the Zimbabwean FA has has had a mare, and we're not quite sure if he's playing Dan, but I'd imagine he's I'd imagine he's in that squad. You'd like to think so, mate. And you know, last point on the Zimbabwean national team. Probably your only podcast this week covering the Zimbabwean football team. So you know. Filler filler coming through you again with the goods. Um, I'm just going to touch on some of my favourite names in the Zimbabwean football team because it is a gold mine. <laughs> Number one is obviously Marvis Macam- Marvelous Nakamba. Marvelous Nakamba. He almost was. <laughs> uh, you've got Knowledge Masonda, which is wow. absolutely brilliant. Love that one. Uh, teenage Hadebe. Again, <laughs> that's amazing. You got El- Elvis. There's an you've got an Elvis in there. And but what I like is they've. There's another king as well. But what I like is how they've balanced that with your run of the mill. You've got an Ian, you've got a Cliff, you've got a Terence and a Clive. So I like how you've gone from one extreme. You've got an Admiral in there as well, Admiral Musque. Um, wow. So I, lo- I love, there's a there's a real, it's a, whoever is announcing this lineup on a match day is having a ball because there's some great names in that Zabayam. And if, if those names can live up to their billing and get a result against Algeria, get out of that qualifications group and get themselves to the AFCON, what a story that would be. Um, that would be amazing. I think one thing we need to do, mate, and we need to state this on the podcast, is that I want to grow this podcast to the point where you and I can take a trip to the village in Zimbabwe yes. where they have the statue of Marvellous Nakamba. I feel that's... that's we need to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we need and, to see uh, the Ghana Lions as well. I was while we're, say, while we're on the subject we can... of, you know, you know, Villa in Africa doing bits. The, the Ghana Lions, man. They're, they're yeah. amazing. And so there's a nice little joint trip. So yeah, you guys keep subscribing, keep liking the content and hopefully what a video that would be, mate. There's a vlog there and a half. Oh, absolutely, mate. This has got to happen. I'm going to start planning this in my head. I've got a shot list going. This is amazing. Wow. That's, that's, do you know what? That's a great note to end the podcast on. If you guys want to see us go to Zimbabwe and to Ghana to go and represent Aston Villa, hit a like and comment in, in, in the comments below if you want to see us do that. Hopefully we can do that one day, Dan. We've got it. It, it, it must be done, Dan. It must be done. Uh, Absolutely. But, but no, that's a nice little a nice little round that we thought we'd do on, on the uh, on the international villains who, who will be playing over the next week and a bit. Uh, Dan and I will probably be back after... Uh, one or two of the England games with another pod just to speak on how uh, Jack Mings have got on if they've played. Uh, we'll definitely come back with an update on Scotland as that is a massive game as well. So uh, keep an eye out for these international podcasts during the international break. It's, it's more content for you guys, so hopefully you enjoy. Uh, as Dan mentioned at the top of the podcast, you guys really seem to enjoy the last podcast. So we really do appreciate your support. Hit the like button if you enjoyed. Comment your thoughts below. Are Scotland going to qualify? Will Jack Grealish play for England? Do you want us to go to Zimbabwe? Let us know in the comments below and subscribe for more content. Because I questions. think I think it's going to have to be a subscriber goal that gets us to Zimbabwe, Dan. So, Definitely. Uh, you know, if, if you guys want us to go to Zimbabwe, please do leave a like, comment, subscribe and up the villa. Chester, he's the main leader of the gang now. Chester.